Welcome to the Rural Record Producer podcast. I'm David Booth from the Recording Booth studio in rural Suffolk, UK. The studio is a building in my garden, so you could say I'm making records in an English country garden. I'm a music producer, singer, songwriter and eternally distracted multi-instrumentalist. In these weekly podcasts, I'm going to be talking to a whole bunch of different people with one thing in common. They make some or all of their living from music. So expect songwriters, promoters, brand specialists, electronic drums wizards, live sound engineers, choir leaders, gig bookers, festival curators, tribute band musicians, music charity chiefs and a whole lot more. I'm based in the UK but I have musical friends in different parts of the world so I'll be doing my best to hook up with all of them over the coming weeks and months to give a broader view of this crazy collection of jobs we do. My guest this week is Eula Andrews. Eula is a singer, choir leader, advocate of the wide-ranging health benefits of singing and she just happens to live over the road from my regular collaborator Kelly Bayfield which is how I got to know her. Even in the current situation of lockdown Eula is incredibly busy so I feel very fortunate grabbing an hour of her time. We should get on with it then. Hello Eula! Oh hello David. It's very nice to see you. I'm very jealous of um, what I can see behind you uh on so so for the uh purposes of the listening audience here uh we're on a zoom call because the whole world is doing that now of course um uh, we all used to use skype before but now we're using zoom i don't know why anyway so on on my very clear video here of, of eula in her uh office stroke shed she can tell me in a minute which one of these is correct are they cds all cds the yeah. whole wall of CDs, and it looks really cool. I think you've just been out to loads of car boot sales to fill a wall full of CDs because it looks cool, uh, and I, yeah. I bet you've never listened to any of them. Yeah, no, it's like those artificial books you get, you know, to fill a yeah. library, yeah. and actually it's just plastic. Yeah, no, these are... Um, so, John, my husband, and I have been together. We've been married 10 years now. We've been together 11 years. Um we have three children we have a mortgage we've moved relocated away from all our families to Suffolk but we have not yet combined our CD collections because we don't want to rush into anything (laughs) so these are both of our CD collections so there's lots of duplicates but his Uh, are all in um the top three shelves and mine are the next three shelves wow Okay, well, it's it looks really cool. I've wanted to do this with a shelf, uh, oh, sorry, a whole wall of books in mm. my studio for years, but I started to accumulate. I mean, I've got a lot of books in the house, but we want them in the house. Uh, so then I thought, well, I'm going to just go to charity shops and pick up books related to music and fill a whole wall behind. Cheating. Yeah, you know. Uh, but but then I realised even doing it in charity shops is really expensive. Uh, that would be the most expensive wall in my studio, probably, if I did that with yeah. books. Yeah, um, you could just buy posh wallpaper instead. Well, it, no, but, but it doesn't have the same sound effect, you see. So I'm, I'm looking for a diffusion wall. So mm. the, people um, do it in different ways. Some people have logs of different depths and sizes on a whole wall, and, and it's you know breaks up the sound a bit. Um, so there is a uh, wallpaper wouldn't do that. It would just reflect off the hard wall behind the wallpaper, but... Yeah, no, this is quite good. So it's six yeah. six shelves of um, CDs and then underneath is books and stuff. Yeah. And it is mainly music books um, and some of my old books that 
John doesn't want in the house. Um, <laughs> I won't ask what sort of books they are. Uh, that's fine. No, 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 no. no. That's a, I don't want to get too personal on a, on a podcast that's going out to the whole world. Anyway, uh, now we've discussed your interior decorating in your, what is it? Is it a shed? Is it a, a, an office building? What is it? It's in your garden, isn't it? Like mine. It is. It's an office slash studio. So it used to be our garage. Right. which is accessed from a door in the garden. And so we've put in a, a big couple of windows and a big UPC glass door yeah. um, and converted two thirds of the garage into office slash studio. Yeah. And the other third is accessed from the other side, just still for um, storage. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that sounds like exactly what I did. So I, uh, in front of my house, uh, there's a nice brick built double garage. Um, and But, but um, uh, my family only got about probably i don't know one tenth of the space <laughs> left of a garage just enough to put a couple of bikes in basically yes yes bikes yeah. but they're all sort yeah. of crammed on top of each yes. other and yes yeah. Uh, yeah but obviously I, need, I needed the space so uh, i took over my garage as well um that's what we do um there's a lot of and those of us that have done that are now of course in this era so for those of you listening in the future um we are in the middle of lockdown in uh, the covid19 era of the world um but those of us who work from home normally anyway can well sort of continue to do so so i presume you're doing that you're, you're able to work because mm. because you um you choir leaders and what have you you've got very clever about how you're doing all of this so it was a really steep learning curve yeah. and um we acted very quickly so we've been online i don't even know what day it is now let alone how many weeks but we've been online forever a while. it feels like it's thursday i think but don't ask me the date please i have no idea thanks in may no. sometime um, so we've yeah. been doing online choir though for six or seven weeks now right. um we actually i took us into lockdown um a week earlier Right. because we've got a lot of vulnerable people in the choir. So we stopped sooner and just decided to protect everyone as best we could. Um, and then I did lots of trial sessions with some of my singers. And yeah. then within a week, we were doing online sessions because I needed to know that I could start uh, a new term, a summer term after Easter, Yeah, um, which we thankfully have. Amazing. So, okay. So well, let, let's get into this choir. So um, uh, I, I don't, uh, we'll, we, obviously we need to talk about uh, the current situation of how we're all working. Um, but also I want to make sure that we, we chat about life as it normally is, was, was, is, is, was, because I think it's, it's, it's going to still be relevant. Hopefully, fingers crossed uh, at some point. That, that we're all going to be able to work in the same room as other people again. And there's a lot to be said about that in music, of course. But um, let I, I tell you, tell me about the background of your choirs, first of all. Uh, we'll get on to you personally as how you got into music as well, because I ask everybody on this podcast that. But as we've started talking about the choirs, tell me about your choirs. So my, um, my other baby is uh, Pop Chorus, and I started it... Eight years ago, probably eight years ago, about two weeks ago. Um, and I started it in Framlingham when Jasper, my first real baby, was about four months old. And I just put some flyers up in some windows and started with about 10 people. I think it was eight, actually, to start with. And I've still got some of those with me. And on a wing and a prayer, I had a couple of backing tracks and I had a couple of ideas. And I made up harmonies as I went along because I didn't know how many singers I'd have or what they could do. And it's like, oh, that sounds good. Let's put a harmony on top. Let's put a harmony underneath. Yeah. And it's 
grown and evolved now from those eight singers in Fram eight years ago. Um, now I've got, when we're in normal situations, I've got eight choirs. Um, I've got about 430 members wow. and we're all over Suffolk. So eight choirs, okay. Uh, and you run all of those yourself, do you? Not anymore, no. Um, I... I got up to the point where I was running five of them and then we started some new ones. So now I run three and then I've got um, some girls, women, ladies from within my choir who um, are really great singers, really good ear for harmony, good teachers, um, but most of all have the right personality for the choir. Uh, So they've all come through my choir and understand it and get it. And so they're now delivering the other choirs for me and I go and visit. Oh wow, okay. So so do they like dread your arrival like like the schools dread the the inspectors or, or... Yeah, it's a bit like off choir coming in. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I hope they don't dread it. I love it. I love going in and, and visiting the other choirs and yeah. all the choirs have a different personality. They vary in size. The newest um youngest choirs in their infancy sort of have 15 members the bigger choirs are up to 90 in a session okay um so it's really nice going visiting them they're they're all yeah have different personalities and different ways of working um and what's now is what's now nice is that as i've got to know the choirs and the choir leaders have got more confident in running their choirs they don't feel like i'm coming over to look over their shoulders or yeah. tell them they're doing stuff wrong. I'm really not. I'm coming to help them to get to know the choir members. It's really important to me that I know the people right. in my choirs yeah. um, and that they know who I am, that I'm not just a, a you know, a faceless name on yes. an email. Yeah. Um, so I get to know them, but it means that I can do things like I can teach a song in that choir leader session not to show them how it's done but so that they've got the chance then to wander around the room feel the acoustics of the room sing with their singers go and actually be there and help them in the parts yeah. and and get really hands-on with their choirs in a way that they can't when they're standing in front you yeah. know waving their arms trying to sort the technology and the music and keep on top of it and yeah. and actually let them be part of their choir and enjoy it as well so i love it i love visiting the choirs and that, i love my groups as well that, yeah. that's amazing um so it's here okay so i i've i've had the the pleasure of um witnessing uh just one of your choirs uh and it might have been a, a strange amalgamation for a charity event that we were all involved in um and we we I think you did you have a few people from different choirs just came along on the day whoever was available wasn't it so yeah, yeah that's what I do yeah. so when we have events because um because we're relatively close although now we're gradually spreading out it's getting so where, harder I expect where are you exactly so where are these choirs just for the so everyone knows that they're all in Suffolk so, though yeah yeah all in Suffolk so we've still got the original one in Framlingham right. and I've got a daytime group in Kesgrave on the outskirts of Ipswich I've got another evening group in the centre of Ipswich um then we've got another evening group in Burstall which is a village out to the west um of Ipswich right. we've got Stowe Market um we've got Felixstowe and then the new choirs are in Halesworth and Long Melford so they're a bit of a trek for for me, Long Melford is. Long, I've got to say, Long Melford is, is a long way for you uh, from the east yeah. of Suffolk. But but there was just presumably what the, the the desire there of a bunch of people was there. 
Exactly. There's yeah. demand. And also based around the people that I've got to lead them, where they live um, yeah. and their interests and their availability. Yeah. And the choir has grown organically. I haven't said, right, now I want to grow and I want to go there and I must look for somebody to run a choir. It's It's been much more organic than that. There's no business plan. There's no right. big... Yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, where do you want to be in five years? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> still in business would be good. Yeah, Bigger yeah. than we are, but still yeah. going and yeah. still knowing people's names. Yeah. Well, that, and, that, and that's important. Um, so you were going to say, is it that, so the, the events wise, you, you, you have people where well, you put it out yes. to everybody and say, who's available? That sort of thing. Who's available. Yeah. And we try and keep it really fair so that it's not all the same old faces doing yeah. it all the time that, people will get say 60% of the gigs that they ask yeah. for because a lot of the um because we're so big a lot of venues now can't accommodate right if 100 singers want to come they might only want 40 so yes. yeah we just keep it as fair as we can we try and keep a really even balance of the parts the harmony parts so that the sound is good yeah um but yeah it'll be a mixture from all the choirs so the choirs um the singers have lanyards with their names on, but they have different colours depending on which part oh, they sing. Okay. So right, if they yeah, go yeah. and visit another choir yeah. or they do things together, yeah. they kind of go, oh, you've got the same colour as me. We must be friends because we're <laughs> singing the same part. That's brilliant. So has this sort of thing evolved just organically uh, as you've gone along and thought, oh, we'll, we'll split, we'll have people with different colours and then... Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. yeah you have a it's big a new plan. thing. As yeah. we've grown... Yeah. People have started saying when we were small and only had 15 or 20 people in each choir and two or three choirs, everybody knew everybody. But now it's quite possible to go to a choir, be in it and not know everybody's name. Yeah. And then, you know, there's every now and then we have a bit of an amnesty and go, yeah, go and just speak to somebody and say, I know you've been in this, this choir for two years, but what's your name? Yeah. Um, but people are embarrassed by that. So now we just have these name lanyards. So now we all just go around looking at each other's chests <laughs> and just making sure. Um, Hello. But it really helps in... Yeah keeping that sense of community um yeah and i really encourage people as well to go and visit other choirs so they might have one choir that they're primarily a member of yeah but they're welcome to go to as many sessions each week as they like so i've got some people who regularly go to two three or more choirs it's physically possible to go to six in a week um <laughs> because of the ones that run at the okay. same time right okay but it's lovely because then if you've met at rehearsal and then you do a gig together, you're like, ah, oh, great. I've met you. I know you. Yeah. And it's, it's like the old, I compare it to being in the AA years ago. You know, you used to have a little AA badge on yeah. the front of your car yeah. and you'd let other AA people go ahead of you at junctions. Oh, it's okay. like that. It's like you're in my choir. Therefore, yeah. Yeah. you know, you, you must cool. be all right. Yeah. You are cool. So that, right. What I get from uh, you, and this is what I got uh, when I first got to know you, well, not very long ago, I suppose, a year ago or, or less, is this personal attachment to the whole thing. So there are, we, we will not name them, but there are large choir organisations in this country um, that are massive business. And I know my my other choir leading friend, Abby, isn't a fan of them <laughs> either. Oh, and then when I got really? to find out, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and... and um, it, it, it's and and I guess there's a place for all people who want to sing. So so that it's great. It's, all singing is good. However, your your business, dare I say it, because part of the reason I like doing these podcasts is talking to people about the reality of their business, uh, how they earn a living from music somehow. But the reality of your business is is very personal. It, you know mm. these people. You are yeah okay. You're trying to grow your business and perhaps start other choirs. Um, 
but you, you really care about this stuff, don't you? It- I do. And it's never been about the money. Yes, it is a business. And I do have some friends who say, why are you letting people have concessionary rates? Why do you yeah. let people sometimes have a term for nothing? Or it's a business. Yeah. That's not how, you know, Tesco would do it. You can't <laughs> go into Tesco and say, well, actually, I can't afford to buy bread this week. So can I just have it? Um <laughs> I've always wanted it to be a very ethical business. Um, It's amazing that it has grown into um, our livelihood. And this provides for me and my family. So my husband and my three children. Um, My husband doesn't have a big job in the city or anything like that. This isn't my little cottage industry on the side. This This is is what sustains our family and is our livelihood. But I would never want it to be anything other than morally sound i want to be able to sleep at night and i want the people who um who partake of my services to sleep at night as well so with things that we offer a concessionary rate which i don't think any of those other choirs that you mentioned i don't think any of them offer a concessionary rate they have a price yeah it's quite expensive you take it or you leave it frankly and they don't care yeah i would never want financial issues to be the obstacle that stops somebody from singing Uh, because there are so many benefits and plus sides to being in a choir to singing in a group even for people who think they can't sing or never have or were told years ago not to it's so good for them that how dare I put money in the way of somebody getting that yeah I my my role is as a facilitator and I'm very transparent with the choir about what I charge um what they get for their money I think they get tremendous value for money um but we do offer a concessionary rate for those who can't afford it. And we've also now in the last couple of years set up our own benevolent fund within the choir. So this is funded by choir members because it was getting to the stage where every term some somebody would say, life has just dealt me a really rough hand, situation has changed. I'm going to have to leave the choir because I can't afford to stay in it. And I'd go, well, don't do that because now is probably the time that you really need it then more than ever Absolutely, have a term and don't worry about the money. Um, but it became apparent there were enough of those instances as we grew that that's, that is money coming out of my pocket. So I asked the choir if they wanted to be involved somehow. And so we now have a benevolent fund that members of the choir contribute to knowing that it will be distributed on their behalf to other members of the choir who for some reason can't afford to pay even the concessionary rate one term. What, um, what an amazing model. And it just goes around and it comes around. Yeah, yeah. I I, I, uh, I didn't know about that. Uh, it's not something we shout about. It's an amazing model. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm now sat here, my brain's whirring on overtime and thinking how many other people could apply that to their businesses. But, uh, uh, yeah, I need to concentrate on what I'm doing. Back in the room. <sighs> yeah, lots Brilliant. of people could. Um, and it's because the... We have some people in the choir who are in a very fortunate position and they know what they get from it and they don't want to lose their colleagues. So if they can top up their payment each term or make a one-off contribution, that we've just got this pot of money and people don't abuse it and they don't abuse the concessionary system either. Um, The concessions have changed over the years. It started out that anybody who said to me, who gets the concession? I'd go, oh, you probably, if you're asking. (laughs) Um, but now 
as we've grown, because it's a business, we've grown, we're now subject to paying VAT. I've got to pay accountants. My overheads go up and up and up. I do now have to start looking at how the business runs financially and being a bit less um, free with my giving it all away. Um, So now I offer concessions to those people who self-define as being in financial hardship and but I don't ask oh you know I need to see what benefits you're on it's down to you if you say you're in financial hardship then you get the concessionary rate and you sleep at night And, and that is how the world should work of course yeah yeah once in a while somebody will come along and yeah you bite you but it's like falling in love you know just because somebody breaks your heart doesn't mean you have to judge everybody else by that you have to have a clean slate you have to believe the best of people until you're proven otherwise and even then there's probably a reason for it that's another it all comes down to the ethos of the choir um some of them call it my manifesto (laughs) it's and it's something we've written down but we've written it down retrospectively. It's not like a okay. mission statement or yeah. we'd like to be like this. What we've written down is what we do anecdotally based on how we are. And it's just a set of values that by joining the choir, you say, I'm going to try and do my best to live this way as well within yeah. the choir. Yeah. And it's there's only I think there's only one bit of it that mentions singing and it's just about, um, you know, not being a diva or a soloist or anything and trying to show off. Um most of it is about how we interact and how kind we are. It's all about kindness. It's the most important thing in the world. So what I'm going to do, if it's all right with you, is just just uh, I'll I'll sample that last twenty minutes of recording that I've ju- that you've just told me about this stuff, and just put that on a permanent loop on my website, if it's okay with you. That <laughs> this is how life can be, folks, and this is this is my this is now my manifesto too. <laughs> You can have it. I will send you my ethos. It's um, really important to us all. And it's why some people join the choir is they hear about it and it's, yeah, it's kind. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is amazing. All right. So, um, this is, this is leading me to think about, um, why people sing. So we know that there is lots of people, um, out there that sing because, they think they want to be a singer. There's people who sing because they like the social aspect of it. Uh, I know that from from talking to my friend uh, Abby about about the, the choirs. Um, I know that you, but you run an on purpose well being choir. So so that's a, a a big a big thing, isn't it? That now that the, the the recognition that singing isn't just fun, but actually there's more to it. And actually music in general, uh, dare, I, dare I say it. But um, so the well-being thing, tell me why, how, where, what. Yeah, yeah, no, we're not here to have fun, are we? Definitely not. No, we're here to do, we're here to do ourselves good. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> that as well. And that, yeah. Um, so the well-being quiet started... Um, by accident, really, just before we moved out to Suffolk um, nine years ago, I retrained and qualified as a massage therapist, right. specialising in like deep tissue massage and things. Um, and when we first moved out here, I was doing that part time. And then we had Jasper and then I started the choir. So I, for a while, I was running the two concurrently. Um, and somebody I met through massage and this kind of holistic therapies asked me to do a talk. Um, because she got talking to me about singing and I'd noticed lots of 
there was lots of useful information I'd gathered from my um, anatomy and physiology training that was really pertinent to singing and backed up stuff that I'd learned from. Uh, turns out I have an amazing singing teacher that I've had since I was 15 in Swindon. Um, and I knew she was good, but I've only recently, like even in the last year, I've really discovered how incredibly good she oh, was wow, in the okay. training she gave me. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of crossover and there's there are lots of points of interest to me about well-being. Um, but what happens when you sing? Um, and so I investigated it more and got deeper into the anatomy and physiology of singing and the vocal process and the vocal function. And so I gave this short talk about why singing makes you feel good, why singing makes you happy, um, and finished it with a, ta-da, there you go, by making them all sing. They all smiled and laughed. And I said, see, there you go, you're all smiling. Thank you very much. Um, and somebody who um, is a trustee of a charitable trust locally said, I wonder if you'd come and see me. I've got this lovely barn. I, I think maybe we could do something. And she got me along to have a look at the barn. The barn is lovely. It's beautiful in the countryside in Otley. And we then approached Age UK to see if they would like us to facilitate a singing session for people with dementia and their carers. Um, and so we started this group um, and it became very quickly more than just a dementia group. So it's it's a well-being choir. It's basically for anybody who is free on a Tuesday, on a Monday afternoon, sorry, at two o'clock for a, a couple of hours, who likes to come and sing together in the countryside and have tea and biscuits and enjoy it. So it's there. Again, there's this sense of generosity amongst the participants. They all know that everyone's got a reason to be there. It may be bereavement, depression, um, coping with illness. They may be there with somebody with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or some other kind of dementia. They may be recovering from illness. They've all got a reason, but mm. nobody says, oh, what's wrong with you then? You know, it's all just, it just means that we have in the same as popcorn, same way, we have this buffer a little buffer of kindness yeah. with everything you say every interaction yeah. and so it has just become this flourishing beautiful growing thing that defines itself and so we just sing for an hour we sing lots of well-known songs from the um 50s and 60s and 70s and some more up-to-date stuff um and for a while we did a separate group for people with dementia and their carers um and we did that for a few years and there are lots of groups around these days for people with dementia. Um, and last year I took the decision, um, Age UK are no longer involved. We, we run it all ourselves now. Right. And I took the decision to stop the dementia choir and just make it another wellbeing choir. So we have two now because actually I'm finding that the people with dementia are getting more out of being in sessions with other people who don't have dementia right. than just being yeah. together and all going downhill together. Actually, yeah. they like the banter. They like the camaraderie. Yeah. They might not hear everything. They might not quite catch everything, yeah. every little snippet of banter going around, but they can, frankly, we could all be speaking in Swahili, but they know they're in a room where there's such a nice vibe. Everyone's so happy and relaxed and yeah. smiling that yeah. it's just a nice place to be. And it lifts everybody. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's just become a thing now. You're listening to the Rural Record Producer Podcast with me, David Booth, and my guest, Eula Andrews. Okay, so the, uh, I, I then 
so now you know about all this stuff and it makes you smile and it gives you your family's livelihood and it gives you joy uh you get to do what you love doing for a job uh but how on earth did you come to this point apart from coming via training training uh, to be a uh, in massage or whatever um on your i had a little look on your website your pop chorus website hmm. and on your pop chorus website it says something to the effect that uh you are a trained singer with over 25 years of performing experience ranging from pacini to abba tributes so tell me uh, how you go from pacini to abba tributes to pop chorus um my view of music um is that I'm not really into genres. I don't I don't like pigeonholes. I don't like being pigeonholed myself. Mm. And I I can't really sit comfortably in one camp and say that that is what I do. Um so I didn't start singing until I was 15. Before that I wanted to be an actress. Um <laughs> okay. I love acting. Um I I quite like the theatricality. I like big dramatic parts and I like the same with my music I like dramatic songs I like songs that tell a story okay. um and I was in an amateur dramatic um society and I was in a performance when I was 15 and this lady came up to me afterwards and said because I had to sing a little bit in it and she said oh I think you've got a nice voice I think you should come and see me for lessons um okay. and I think she meant it in a nice way not in a <laughs> oh, god you need some training um what I hadn't realized was that the producer from the show had actually invited her and said I think you should come and look at this girl um uh, okay. I think she should be doing some singing yeah. and so I met Janice um who became my singing teacher who is also very kind now I look back on it um there were times um throughout my teenage years where I was self-supporting and I couldn't always afford my lessons um but I never missed a lesson if I couldn't afford it yeah she'd get me in to help teaching the children's groups or just say oh don't worry about it you know sort me out later yeah she showed me that that kindness and that generosity and that belief in me yeah and um so she gave me a really sound classical training a really good foundation in technique she used to be um in the swingle singers um no bbc singers that's what she was she was bbc singers um beautiful voice really solid technique but she was also really into contemporary classical and avant-garde music so and she saw something in me because I don't know any of her other singers who were doing it but she'd get me singing quite weird stuff and I really liked it right um and so then uh over the years I did odd bits of um trying to sing in pubs and things you know with backing tracks and just kind of winging it really I was never in a band or anything like that um and I wanted to go and study classical music at a conservatoire so I auditioned for all the conservatoires for a couple of years always the bridesmaid never quite made it and then eventually got offered a place at the Welsh College of Music which is nice lovely one of very few conservatoires I was one of very few sopranos to get in um and it was yeah, a real honour. And so I started at Cardiff in September and I left in, well, I left at Christmas. I lasted a term. (laughs) Well done, Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, stick it out. Um, (laughs) And I I realised really quickly, I I was a couple of years older than a lot of the other students. I was was already classed as a mature student then. I think I was probably about 23 or something, 24. Um, 
And they had lots of really well-known singers who were teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. But being a good singer doesn't necessarily make you a good teacher. There was a lot of show about it and lots of rules, like you can only sing in Italian the first year, not allowed to sing in French until the third year. But but I got in singing French. Why not? And it it was really constricting. Um, And I, I just didn't like it. It, killed now, my love of I, I, well now now i know you a little bit uh i can imagine that not really working for you <laughs> <laughs> not at all i'd come from singing i've been singing in a close harmony group which was great fun but yeah. we sang uh, and some of it was quite cheesy but uh, it was really good oral training and stuff and what they wanted me to do was really really develop my voice in an operatic style and i've got a voice that although I, mozart probably suits me better I have a leaning that could take me down more of a Puccini kind of route, just like that slightly heavier, slightly broader sound. Okay. I've potentially got quite a big voice, although I've always been scared of my big classical voice. It's right. always terrified me and um, <laughs> I've always kind of held back from it. But the training is such that if you go too far down that route, the physiological changes in your larynx right. are quite extreme and it would have meant that I couldn't sing pop anymore and that I couldn't sing close harmony because uh, I wouldn't have, I'd have just too big an instrument. Okay. And yeah. there are so many other people singing Mozart and Puccini and sure. doing it so much better. I really didn't feel there was anything I could bring mm. to this old music that wasn't being done better. Yeah. Um, and I was getting quite into the avant-garde stuff that my teacher had shown me. So basically I left Cardiff and said, no, that's it, I give up singing, and I stopped completely. <laughs> okay. And I did not sing for a year, almost exactly a year. Um, I came home, I was in Swindon at the time, I got another rubbish sales job. Hmm. Um, I always get rubbish sales jobs that I'm not very good at. Um, and I didn't sing. I had a partner at the time who was in a folk band, and I used to go with him to folk gigs. He was in a purely instrumental diddly-eye band. Right. and then cut to the following New Year's Eve um, and a couple of glasses of whatever on New Year's Eve and the band are playing in this gig in this bar and they're saying, oh, do you know what? We could do more with this, but we really need a singer. And he went, oh, God's sake, she's a singer. Eula's a singer. And they're like, well, how how have you been around us this long and we don't know you're a singer? So they give me another whiskey. (laughs) I sang She Moved Through the Fair and accompanied in this bar. Oh, Um, with my eyes closed and it was deadly silent. And then I opened my eyes at the end and people seemed to quite like it. And then I thought, oh, I can't live without this. It's too important to me. Wow. So then I went off to Dartington because I'd also been offered a place at Dartington College of Arts, which isn't a conservatoire. Right. It's a teeny tiny arts college in Devon. Yeah. And they didn't have any singers there really. Um, but I phoned them up and said, oh, you offered me a place actually, I think I'd like it. And they said, yeah, fine, come in September. Okay. Um, and I went to Dartington. It was best thing ever. Oh, wow. Um, Brilliant. So, so you, you, you got, you got uh, away from Puccini at that point then, did you? And you start, so, yeah. so how did you get from Dartington to Abba? Well, Dartington was um, lots of avant-garde and okay. contemporary music, working with composers. I still came back and worked worked with my singing teacher um, the singing teacher they offered me was still into opera and stuff. And I was like, no, thanks. Um, my singing teacher really gets me. She knows that I like singing pop and that I go to karaoke bars and that I get drunk and sing close harmony and, <laughs> and that I still want to sing 
opera as well. And she got all of that. So I stuck with her um, through Dartington yeah. and did really well at Dartington. Um, towards the end, I got on really well with my tutor. He became a really good friend of mine. Um, and he was into microtonality and stuff um, oh, wow. and singing in scents and stuff. I'm no good at that. Right. Um, but he was really encouraging. And yeah, through my degree, towards the end of the second year, we sat down for a glass of wine and he said, I think it's going really well. I think you're on for a solid two, one. Well done. And I said, oh, have another glass of wine. And he went, oh, what? And I said, no, I, I don't want a two, one. I haven't come here to get a two, one. And he's like, oh, God. So he said, you need to up your game then. So I just put everything into my third year. Right. Having been somebody who hadn't always tried my hardest at things, I'd been quite lucky academically. I'd been, right. you know, okay. recently good and got my got yeah. three things but never had to really put myself on the line and really try because I was always worried that if I really tried and didn't succeed uh, I, I didn't think I could cope with that kind of failure so if you've always got mm. a get out of jail free card oh well yeah I could have done really well but I didn't yeah. try so I put everything into my third year yeah and it paid off and I got a really nice degree and I got my first that I wanted um and after college, I'd met somebody there who said, I've got a friend who needs a singer. She's in Birmingham. Can you go this weekend? It's like, yeah, okay. What kind of singer? What for? And she said, oh, for a function band. So I went out, auditioned in this lady's kitchen. It was the, they had three girl singers, great big function band, yeah. three-piece brass section, um, nice. the works, big sequin dresses, um, great big rider before every gig. Uh yeah, auditioned in her kitchen, singing Knock on Wood or something, at a chocolate eclair with them, had a cup of tea, and they were like, can you learn 40 songs, including choreography, in three weeks? And I went, yeah, 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 no worries, cool. <laughs> uh, and basically they gave me the gig because nobody else would say yes. Nobody else, that's stupid. <laughs> no chance. Um, and my first, um, first gigs with them were for like this massive backstage party at the NEC for um, the Jasper Carrot shows. He does Jasper, oh Jasper Carrot shows every year in Birmingham because right. he's well loved there. In Birmingham, yeah. And so it's like yeah. 2,000 people did my first gig, came off stage and went, actually, I've never played with a band before. <laughs> and <laughs> just tell like, them that. well, that's the uh, way to learn. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. So you just got into the, the whole singing into in bands function and bands. functions. And, yeah, and, and then yeah. from that, one of the girls was in a, an ABBA tribute and she got me depping. Um, and then I just became an um, a dep, really, um, mainly for ABBA bands, right. a couple of function bands, but became known as a dep. And interestingly, whenever I auditioned for a band, I'd never get it. Because right. when I auditioned, I'd do a really lame audition. I'd, I'd bottle it. My notes would be oh, terrible. Wow. I wouldn't look the part and dance. But depping, yeah, same as that experience with the band, not having told them that I'd not played with a band before, you know, just having to come up with the goods on the yeah. day, yeah. I can do. I can do that anytime. Okay, so, so right. Yeah, so you, you currently don't sing in a band. You're, you're Well, you're way too busy running your business and uh, running your choirs. But... Uh, I have to ask the question, are you, are you, have you got it in mind that you'd like to sing the band? And if, if you have it in mind, which I think you have really, you must have, you must have, you must want to do that again at some point. What, what band would it be? What sort of thing would it be? 
I'm not trying to get myself a gig here, by the way. I'm, I am genuinely <laughs> interested in in where your head's at now with, obviously, you, you train, well, you run these choirs uh, and you're um, enabling so many people to have a lot of fun. They're all just uh, doing it because because they want to do it they're not trying to earn a living out of it it's enjoyment for them it's your business but at the heart of all this you are an amazing singer so do you get out of your business what you need to get out personally without doing a band or doing a singing thing yourself not as much as I'd like (laughs) I get a lot out of the choir because I do all the arrangements and they're in five-part harmony um I like the fact that I arrange everything. I sing every part. I I love the fact that in a rehearsal, I can run from singing really high soprano over here, really stupid screechy high notes, to singing really low, low alto sort of tenory notes down here and all the bits in between. And that I can jump around from part to part to part. I really enjoy that. I get a lot of fulfilment from that personally. That's quite a buzz. The music is all pop. Okay. Um, which is all stuff that I love. I, I enjoy all the songs that I arrange and that we do. Yeah. Uh, what I miss is performing. Yeah. I miss um, delivering and selling a song myself. So I don't know that I would go for a band. I did um, a few months ago just go for an afternoon, like no strings attached jam session with um, – a bassist, a guitar player and um, a drummer friend. And it was just in a friend's basement. And we went in, all of us going, right, this isn't leading anywhere. This is a one afternoon stand. These are the songs we're going to do. We're just doing it for fun. We are not forming a band. It goes nowhere. (laughs) It's this. And it was so good. It was so much fun just to belt out some numbers. Oh yeah, I I can still sing. Sweet child of mine. Um, oh, wow. And okay. just have a really good jam. That was great. What I had plans for, and I'm a bit gutted about, because I'd finally, finally, I've been talking about it for about 10 years. I'd booked the Ipswich Corn Exchange for this September, and I've had to cancel it. Oh, um, no. And I'd booked um, a very good friend of mine, Steve, who now lives on the Isle of Wight, um, but is a stunning pianist right. and composer. Right. Um, and... What I'd like to do is put on a cabaret. Um, a cabaret is the only way I can really describe, I think, what I do. Right. Um, so it's kind of new interpretations of existing songs, but things like um, Tom Waits and ah, Joni Mitchell and okay. Radiohead and Pink Floyd, yeah. um, all kind of linked together in a theme. Um, so kind of telling a story, but very dramatic. Yeah. So a really dramatic set, um, dramatic interpretations of the music. I'd managed to convince this amazing double bass player who didn't know me from Adam and who plays with pro bands all around the world, um, that he really ought to do this thing. Um, and he'd agreed and everything. Oh, um, no. And yeah, it's sadly now all on okay. hold. But yeah, that's what I'd like to do. It's just well, you've persuaded them once. You can do it again. I'm sure yeah. they'll rearrange things when the world returns. But I like them. the idea of just a really theatrical yeah. thing where, and I'm very lucky because I've got um, there are people now in the area who know who I am because of the choir. I've got people in the choir who would like to right. see me yeah. sing. Yes, um, because they got, just get little you've snippets. Got a of built-in audience already. In a way, that's what I'm hoping. But yeah. I'd quite like to just intrigue them a bit, and for the 
to chat and introduce the songs, but for them to never really know if it's me speaking or if it's actually all a character, because it would just be me, but not quite yeah. me, just, just yeah. a bit darker. Wow. Um, well, yeah. I, I want to see this thing now. Uh, and, uh, yeah, um, that wasn't the answer I was, I was expecting. Um, I, I was expecting the we got in a basement and thrashed out a bunch of songs and it was a great load of fun. So I can so picture you doing that. Um, but clearly you are a more complex individual than perhaps um, the uh, the most people can see from, from your musical yeah. answer to that. Um, but then I suppose you said you liked acting. So yeah, it, it makes sense that you'd want to combine those things. Um, the, I mean, the, the, the part of the reason I, I asked you that is because I'm in a, a similar situation in uh, I, I'm a music producer, but I'm producing other people's music 98% of the time uh, for a living. And I'm very lucky to do that. And I love it. And I get a lot of my creative soul out in that it it works it's fine but there is a little part of me that always uh, because i came through being a performer and a writer for many years um and a musician uh, i came at, to producing through that not not being a technical head or whatever so there's always a part of me that that uh, that needs to still write songs my own songs still perform them in front of a half a dozen people in a pub or or whatever or 30 people on a live stream at the moment uh, or whatever it is uh, I don't even keep an eye on the numbers I just do it if I feel like doing it so yeah it's I know I know a few people like yourself earn a living in music um, but it's not necessarily what they imagined doing when they came into music no, and I didn't know I'd make a living out of music and I look back and when I was at Dartington they were really straight with us, like most of you are not going to earn a living out of music. Yeah. Um, and most people aren't. And I'm really lucky. And it's um, I always find it funny when you tell people, um, you know, I went to music college and yeah, now I'm lucky enough to make my living out of music. And they'll say, oh, yeah, teacher. No, actually. And it's kind of an assumption that if you've got yeah. a music degree, you're going to be a music teacher. Yeah. Um, and although I do teach within the choirs, it's so much more than that. And I totally get what you're saying. You can put bits of yourself into people's productions in the same way that I can put bits of me into yeah. all my arrangements. Yeah. But it's not the same as me actually yeah. getting out there and doing my own thing. Well, I'm going to be first in the queue when the tickets go on for sale for the reorganised gig. Well, uh, thank you very much. Thank uh, you. I, I should be <laughs> Fingers there. crossed. Um, it will next year, I hope. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and even if you were going to offer me uh, a position in your band when you do the band gig, I don't want it because I want to watch you instead. So, Well, no, see, I'd still <laughs> like to do bands and things as well. But I think when you've only got such limited time, because yes. I really enjoyed like a good yeah. band session. And I miss, I miss doing folk music. Folk music was the thing that got me back into singing when right. I gave up. Yeah. Um, and I miss classical singing as well. I miss singing yeah. Lark May and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah beautiful things but then i wanted to slip a little cheeky classical number into my cabaret as well um well you must uh and you shall hopefully mm. fingers crossed to do it. right uh i i've i've uh i've got nothing else because you've you've already uh i normally have a whole bunch of uh questions lined up for after a while but you've you've so 
covered so many things that um i guess uh the reason i'm in music is 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 because well a i know i, I found a way to earn a living but mostly it's because it's just me it's just what i do and it's just um it's what i'm good at fortunately somehow it's my genes my parents are musicians as well although not professional musicians but they were both brilliant amateur musicians so i just had it built into my genes so i just do that anyway and when when i speak to somebody like you i just get that sense and this is why i, I love this daft industry that we're in is because none of us are business people uh, and none of us come into this thinking we're going to do this for a business, you know, uh, um, but we all end up doing it somehow. Um, and you've just given me such an amazing explanation of, of why music is just beyond important. Uh, it's it's people stay. I don't think I'm exaggerating here, but sometimes music keeps people alive uh, and i know it does and, and mental health charities talk about it um and you are you are slap bang in the middle of of a, a type of music job uh th that people should support and care about and this is why yeah the arts the arts are important and the arts deserve funding and 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 yeah you're a great example of it i i absolutely I'm struggling for words because it's important this stuff isn't it it is and um lots of people think because i run a choir in the way that i do so we don't use any notation i teach everything by ear um lots of people um from classical choirs and professional musicians a lot of them um i find when i talk to them perhaps think that i haven't got the musical skills to back it up um and i don't need to shout about it but yeah i i have got the skills and i used to sing in in those kind of choirs yeah. but that elitism and that well it's mine and if you can't do it then you shouldn't be doing it is part of what made me do my choir the way I do is because um, I joined the BBC Symphony Chorus for a while and it was lovely and I wow. was lucky enough to get picked straight away for a recording of a piece by Kodai uh, to be in a semi-chorus of eight singers right. which put a whole load of noses out of joint and when I auditioned for the BBC Symphony Chorus interestingly um, Stephen Jackson their director auditioned me and he said I can honestly say that was the worst sight reading audition I have ever seen in like all my years here. Brilliant. Like, oh, well, thanks for your time then. That's an achievement. He said, oh no, you're still in. Um, wow. He said, we don't sight read in every performance. That's not what we do. And I said, I promise you that if you give me the music, I yeah. will go away and learn it and come back and know it yeah. and interpret it and give it feeling yeah. in a way that some sight readers who get away with sight reading everything don't necessarily always do right. yeah and it's about that selling the song and but i i met a lot of um uh distaste even in the bbc symphony chorus from okay. people who just thought i was a bit of an upstart and i shouldn't be let in because i couldn't sight read okay and that happens now as well and yeah. i just don't think that anybody in the same way that money shouldn't be an obstacle Reading music shouldn't be the obstacle that stops you from being in a choir. Yeah. Somebody telling you that you can't sing in tune shouldn't be an obstacle. How very dare they? Yeah. You know, unless you're married to Gareth Malone, then nobody should be telling you they can't sing in tune and you shouldn't be in a choir. They should 
mind their own business. Um, and yeah, I think people do sometimes underestimate um, my technical yeah. skills and ability, yeah. but it's because yeah. I, I, you don't need to shout about it all the time. No. Actually, every now and then, yeah, I will put somebody straight. But actually, it's more important that people are included. And that we get away from this elitist way of doing things and actually let, which isn't to say there isn't a place for those kind of choirs. I, I adore listening to the BBC singers or really high level choirs and yeah. musicians. I think that's fantastic. And I, I adore it. I'm not saying that they should all be open, but there's room for everybody. And in the same way that you've got these other choirs around the country doing very similar things. Yeah. There are even other choirs locally who do slightly different things to us. If somebody comes to me and we're not right for them, and I say, "Well, maybe you need something a bit more like this," here's here's yeah. Rabble Chorus's phone number. Yeah. You know, th this is the day that this choir rehearsed. Go and see them. Yeah, I'd rather people were just singing, even yeah. if it's not with me. Yeah. It's it, it's it's important. And yeah. the the chemicals. When I had um, my children, and I learned more about endorphins and about um, uh, learning about people with depression and serotonin and all the things that singing in a group can do for you on a hormonal level. It is, it's much too important to faff around putting obstacles in the way and stopping people doing it. If this is, I don't run, but I know people who run and exercise get the same kind of yeah. feeling. If this is the thing that enables you to hang on to your sanity and give you a little space away from, and even now in lockdown, you know, I'm saying to people, come into our choir, our virtual choir room, leave the world at the door just for an hour, forget about them. I'm afraid they'll all still be there afterwards. But for this hour, mm. you don't have to think about it. You can switch off and give yourself, give your mind a rest. And that's too important yeah. to not do. I can't say anything cooler than that. So <coughs> I'm just going to say right now, you should, uh, you should go and finish up a uh, glass of uh, something or a cup of tea, whatever it was uh, that you've got there um, in that very fetching green glass with a pink base. Good Lord. Mm. Uh, uh, and there's me thinking you were all cool. Perhaps not. Um, anyway, uh, give me your website, since, or website. Where can people find you? Uh, they should come and look at popchorus.co.uk. Cool. And, and they will find everything they need on there. And I think I'm as right. As heard on Radio 2. As yeah. heard on Radio 2. Good lordy. Well, well done you. Me too. Uh, at some point <laughs> in my career, in the past. Anyway. Um, but uh, th th am I right in saying that, well, obviously you're based uh, in, in Suffolk, in the east of England, as am I. Uh, and normally that's where your choirs run. But are you doing something right now that anybody, with it being online, could anybody come and sing with you right now yeah anybody could come and sing with us at the moment um the i've got six new people who've actually joined pop chorus um and these are people who used to be members and have moved away or people who um are friends of mine or friends of people in the choir who don't live near enough and have decided to join but the well-being choirs in particular i mm. love the fact that i've got people from my regular groups yeah. have then told friends who live in west sussex or cambridge or Gloucestershire or Kent and family and it's great because it kind of kills two birds with one stone because at the moment none of us have got anything to talk to our family about on the phone because <laughs> none of us have been anywhere so this way you get to see them for an yeah. hour but not actually have to make any conversation <laughs> and you've got something to talk about next time you're on the phone winner winner awesome 
Right. Isn't uh, it? Uh, but um, yeah, so yes, anybody <laughs> can come and join. But again, I'm not actually advertising. Um, I did I did briefly think about doing some Facebook advertising for this, going, well, yeah, yeah. anybody can come and join now. Yeah. But I figure actually there are lots of choirs around the country of course. all trying to stay in business at the moment. So yeah. um yeah. I'm not going to go looking for people to come and join. Um, right. I think it's almost bad taste, really, to be profiteering out of a situation like this. But yes. if people know people in the choir or want to come and try it, then I'm obviously not going to turn anybody away. Cool. Right. With that, I shall say thank you very, very, very much. Um, oh, thank you. For your time. Um, and uh, that website once more, the website once more? It's uh, popchorus.co.uk popchorus.co.uk Eula, uh, I, I, I think um, I haven't got the time to come and sing in one of your choirs, but if I did, I would. So thank you for that. I would love you to come and sing in one of my choirs, but I think you'd then realise how terribly unprofessional I am. I know. <laughs> so, no, God, no, no, no. No, no, no. Don't no. come. Uh, uh, any, any choir that doesn't require sight reading sight reading was my weakness back in the brass band days so uh no i like the idea that i wouldn't have to sight read but anyway that's another story so right thank you very much uh look after yourself and your family uh have a nice time over there uh in east uh, suffolk um and uh yeah thanks again thank you david thank you cheers so that's all for this week if you want to get in touch with some constructive feedback or perhaps ideas about future subjects for these podcasts, I'd love to hear from you. Email david at therecordingbooth.co.uk, Twitter at Rural Record Pro, or my main website is therecordingbooth.co.uk. You can find me there. Thanks for listening to the Rural Record Producer Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please do make sure you follow and if possible, leave a nice review of the podcast on your chosen platform. Until next time, enjoy your music.